Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. Welcome into the Dynasty Nerds Podcast. I am Garrett Price. There is no Rich Dotson tonight. On top of that, there is no Jared Wackerly tonight. It's just me and Matt tonight. How just you doing, buddy? the two of us. <laughs> We you and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just me and Matt, yeah. Matt O'Hara tonight, uh, holding it down for the dynasty nerds. And tonight we are getting into some mailbag questions. That's right. You have, uh, in the great words of uh, Andy Bernard, you have cues. We have A's. Uh, <laughs> so did you just no? Uh, <laughs> uh, I love the office, but, uh, before we get into all these questions, first of all, uh, I do want to say that all of these questions are from our Discord page. That's right. One of the benefits of being part of the Nerd Herd is the Discord page. So if you want to get some questions answered, and look, we're doing different things on there all the time. We're doing AMAs, the mock draft that we did last week. That was all participants from the Nerd Herd via Discord, uh, things like this, getting your question answered, and just access to us. You know, we don't, we still can't get to every single detail, but it's, you have a much better shot at getting to talk to us, engaging with us on the Discord than you do anywhere else. So that is one of the main benefits of the Nerd Herd. Uh, and also tonight, I want to make sure we talk about prize picks. That's right, prize picks. We mention them every week. They're an amazing sponsor with us. And look, it's the best legal way to play player props, right? We're talking already about this coming season. We have these overs and unders on these these uh, upcoming players on rushing yards or passing yards. We talked about Matt Ryan a couple of weeks ago. Chances are in the NFL today, if it's a if it's a quarterback, I'm probably taking the over because everybody's thrown for tons of yards. Uh, but that's what you get to do. You get to go through and look and look. It's not just one player. You can go through. You can go through three, six, ten different players over under a certain amount of yards. You can get all the parlays, all of that different kind of stuff. Over with prize picks. Best of all, use promo code NERDS and you will receive an instant deposit match of up to $100. That's right. Promo code NERDS. It's the best way to get your legal player props. All right, Matt, let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, first of all, I know that you mentioned before the show, uh, obviously we're doing this remote. If, if you're uh, only listening, you might not know that. Right, uh, right. But uh, but you are enduring right now for the nerd. Tell tell us what, what your conditions are at the moment. Well, uh, I'm in a in a room in my house with absolutely no air conditioning. Um, it just happens to be a back room. That's where I record remotely most of the time, and um, it's about 90, 95 degrees. I, I have got a one foot right now in a bucket of cold water, just trying to keep <laughs> myself cool. So if you if you're watching at home uh, on the YouTube's. And you see a lot of glistening forehead action going on. That's just me sweating it uh, out here in the, you know, it's, it's about nine o'clock at night. It's still 90 degrees right now. So that's, that's next level commitment. I yeah. don't know how many people would be willing to do that. If uh, I start to melt or if I pass out, uh, you know, my address, Garrett, please get an ambulance right. here. You know? I'll call right away. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have a, tons and tons of questions to get into. Uh, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time. Let's get into these. We're going to do this both in the free show and in the nerd herd show. So uh, if you're part of the nerd herd, listen, you, there's a chance that we might be reading your question. And the first one we're going to be reading from is from baby underscore J. How do you guys keep your leagues fun in the off season? I'm the commissioner of a home league and they don't seem very interested between May and August. Matt, uh, what 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 have you seen done in some of your leagues or what are the things that you recommend for for teams because i i don't yeah. think this is just a one person problem i hear this all the time where people really struggle with especially when it's not in season really keeping everyone engaged well i mean i don't know my the people that i'm in, in leagues with are junkies so i don't have a hard time with this but i could i could see you know some of the people that are newer to dynasty or maybe um they're more accustomed to the, to the redraft stuff uh, when they first start off. Um, maybe not, maybe not knowing that there, that you could do this all year long. There's podcasts like ours. I mean, I, I know that's very self-serving for us to say, but sure. if, if, you know, if you're the only one in your league that listens to us or something like that, 
get other guys engaged in this in in podcasts like ours um, and stuff like that. And I, I for one, think the NFL does a really good job of kind of trickling out um, all of their offseason stuff. So, I mean, if you, if you, I don't know how you how you could really get people engaged other than hey, these are the things that are coming up, and it's like, um, you know, it's Senior Bowl, and then it's it's the Combine, then it's the draft, then it's mini camps, and they're always trick. I feel like the schedule they're always trickling out something. And if you either do things around those events um, with people in your league, or if you just kind of engage during those times, like if it's a hot period when free agency just starts, right. send out some offers, get some get some stuff moving in your league. Um, and that should catch some people's attention. I mean, if it's one of those things where it's, they're not even, you know, you're sending out trade trade requests to people in your league and they're not even answering. I mean, that's a bit of a bummer. And maybe that's something that you should maybe plan an event with your league, you know, get together at a bar during the draft, get together, you know, that kind of stuff can, can bring a league together and, and get some conversations, I think started. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's great when you have different events, we get people together, but uh, I've, I've seen a few different things for really trying to help engagement in the off season. One is uh, I've seen guys do their own version of a, of a, of a podcast where they'll actually like, interview different people in their league and <laughs> just basically find, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to trash talk everyone's team and release it, you know, once a month or, you know, whatever. So I've seen that. I've seen people do, do weekly write-ups, uh, stupid, stupid bets. People love bets. So if right. you can get people engaged in like, especially if it like, no one really cares that much if it's for money, but if there's like some public humiliation or something like that involved, uh, people seem to be pretty engaged with that. So that is the tough part about being commissioner. Part of it is, yeah, you have to, uh, you know, make sure the league's a well-oiled machine and you got to make sure that you're uh, moderating the the movement throughout the league. But on top of that, sometimes you're, you're simply playing the role of entertainer as well. Uh, yeah. so, so you definitely have to wear a lot of different hats. I, I, I don't know. On, on a related note, I did see a really funny, um, I guess the loser of the league type of uh, prize where a guy had to take a big stuffed animal out to eat at a really oh, nice I restaurant that one. and like ordered, ordered food and everything like that and sit through an entire meal with like his friends basically laughing at him two tables over and taking pictures. It was low key a pretty nice restaurant too. Yeah. Yeah. It did look pretty nice. It was a very nice event. It looks like, <laughs> and very humiliating. That's what you get for finishing last man. Come on. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. We did, yeah. uh, we, we, we had that in my home league for a little bit. Uh, but we, we had a couple guys that like refused to do things and they kind of ruined it for everybody. But the first guy that lost was like a really good sport and his wife's a photographer. So we had, we had him take like the most humiliating photo shoot we could think of and make them into coasters for everyone. Nice. So everyone has these coasters of like these really awkward pictures. So I like great. that. Yeah. How do you like that? Yeah, there's uh, other fun ones like taking, you know, making the guy go back and take the SAT. Uh, I've heard like wait, the Waffle House. You, you can take the SAT at any time in your life? Yes, yes. Oh, so they've had people that have fantastic. had to literally go back in a room full of high school kids <laughs> and take the SAT. <laughs> That's great. That um, is funny. Yeah. So there's lots of different things, but it is, uh, it, it's definitely a tough, tough job being a commissioner. Uh, so I can, I can commiserate, uh, but the last, last but not least on that, if your league sucks, find some new people, like find some new people to get in your league. If they're just not going to respond, I know it's tough sometimes because like your friends, but at the same time, there's other things you can do with your friends, you know, go to the bar, go to a baseball game, go like whatever. If they're not going to participate, find people that are actually going to be active. And I have seen that too, where a league has gone a little bit stagnant or stale and then somebody drops off and then all of a sudden a new person is there. They see the team completely differently. And then all of a sudden there's this flurry of activity because oh, they're yeah. selling off pieces left and right. And, and the, it kind of sparks the entire league at, at times. So um, shout out Walshko. Uh, it, has, <laughs> it has happened in a few of the leagues that I've been in too. All right, let's go to the next question here. Noah Wright asks, at what point in the regular season, so this is during the season, do you decide if you're a contender or if you're looking to sell some pieces to begin a rebuild? Matt, what are you thinking on that? Um, I mean, this one's a tough one. I think that's going to be very uh, specific to a team a lot of the times. 
Um, because there's been a time when I've been Owen four and I knew I was out of it with the team mm-hmm. that I had, it was just, it was just never, never going to happen. But there was also a, a year when I went Owen four and won the championship and it wasn't, I didn't make wow. any big moves along the way. I just had a really crappy start to the season sure. and I, I stayed the course and I ended up, I ended up pulling it out at the end. It was like the, it was the, th- I think it was the second or third in a row that I was doing. So, so I, it was, a, it was a solid team. I knew I was good. Um, so I think it, you know, when you get to the four four games in, I think you should probably have a pretty good idea of what you are and make a decision, you know, around week five. At least that's where I feel comfortable doing it because mm-hmm. before then, there's always so much happening sure. at the beginning of these seasons nowadays because literally no one pay, no one plays in the preseason. They're playing themselves right. into shape most of the time, those first four games of the season. So guys aren't even playing full games. They're not playing full snap counts a lot of the times, those first few games. Um, so you can really come up against some really crappy losses um, that you wouldn't really have endured normally if they were playing the entire time. So I like to see where I'm at around week four and kind of make a decision there. Um, and if your team is stacked, and it's just some, some bad losses, you know, stick, stick with it. Don't, don't blow it up. But if it's the opposite and you, and, and you're in a rebuild and you're four in, or you're, or you're stuck in the middle and you're four in and, and you're own four or one in three, then it's time to take a, a hard look and see what you can sell off. How about yeah, you? I'm, where do you, where yeah, do you I'm with that? you on that. I'm with you on that. Um, it, it's it, especially if you get to that point of the season where you're week five, week six, somewhere in there, uh, and you're looking at your team. It's always tough because there's two times that you're going to be middle of the road. It's either you're middle of the road because you have these older veterans that you're trying to hold on to and trying to squeeze like one more year out of, and it just hasn't quite materialized or the opposite of you already had your rebuild and you're getting back into the point where you're becoming a contender again. So if you're at the point where you're finding yourself 500 and you look at your team and you're like, it's not a fluke that I'm 500. Like this is, this is kind of what this team is. And most of these Mm -hmm. guys, you're looking at 25 to 27 year old running backs and, you know, receivers about to hit 30 and different things like that. You need to start selling some of those assets because it's, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. So sell off those assets while you can. It's more tricky when you're coming off of a rebuild and you're middle of the road because it's a lot of these young assets that are starting ma- to materialize but aren't quite those stars yet. That's where it gets really tough to know when to like push in the chips and you know trade maybe a couple future assets or a young player that hasn't developed as much yet for that veteran piece to move on. That's the tricky part for me. Uh, but I like to try to preach patience on that because nothing's worse than going through an entire rebuild and rushing the process only to trade away two or three young players or two or three good picks to, to find that one veteran that you got to get himself injured. And now you're right back kind of rebuilding again. So uh, I like to try to preach patience there, but I would be more likely to, to go in if I'm at that point than I would, if I'm at the veterans, if I'm with the veterans and I'm just kind of this middle of the road team, it's time to sell. It is time to sell. I agree with that. Uh, what you said there, totally. If 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 I'm on my upswing, if I'm just starting to go and I'm and I'm middle of the road there, you know, four or five games in, I'm I might not be a buyer there yet. I might I might wait another four or five weeks to see if to see how that kind of happens. If I'm on sure. my upswing, um, so that might be a little bit later of a period where I become a buyer. I'm definitely not going to be a seller in that kind of instance, like you were saying. I'm when I when I do a rebuild and I have a good young core and I feel like I'm, I'm starting to go in the right directions, I'm usually not a guy that's going to sell any of those assets. I'm going to wait to see how those develop. I'm going to then use my future draft picks, which I, you know, in all likelihood, when I blow things up, I get a lot of youth in one or two drafts and then I'll start using my future assets as something to kind of push me over the top and get me, get me to my championship run once those guys develop. So that's how I strategize that whole kind of, uh, maneuver there. But I would wait probably if I was middle of the road after four or five games with a young team, I'd wait a few more weeks to kind of see how that flushed itself out to see if I'm truly going to be a buyer, if I'm going to start burning future assets, or if I'm just going to, if I'm good, I'm just going to chill 
and, and save those and, and keep those draft picks for later. Yep. Yep. I'm with you, man. All right, let's get to the next question here. Uh, Tyrannical Saurus asks, <laughs> what backfields seem convoluted or what backfield seems convoluted, which might be, which might have a dark horse emerge, uh, i.e. Elijah Mitchell from last year. So, Matt, I know you've already done your homework on this one a little bit. So, uh, and I have another one that, that you didn't write down, uh, but, but what, what backfields are kind of just a mess right now? And do they offer some opportunity for someone to emerge? Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious one that is super convoluted and just jumps right off the page is the Miami Dolphins. And right now they're looking at a depth chart that has Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, who's been the starter for the past few years, um, mm-hmm. Ahmed um, Salvin. Uh, how, do you, how do you say that, guys? I'm, is it Salvin? Was that right? Uh, Salvin, I think. Salvin. Um, and then they went and got Zaquandre White, and they got uh, Jared Dokes last year as well. So that's a ton, a ton of running backs. And we know that Mike, Mike McDaniel came over from the San Francisco system. We'll see kind of if he's more Mike Shanahan or if it's going to be kind of his own guy as far as, Hey, any of these running backs that kind of emerges, I'm going to, I'm going to go with them. I'm going to burn them into the ground. And then there's going to be another guy and I'll just keep shuffling these guys through if they get injured. And I'm, I'm fine running any of these guys. Cause my, it's my system, my system, my system, right. you know? So we'll see if somebody can emerge out of, out of that backfield. I mean, obviously right now, Chase Edmonds is the guy that has all the money behind him. I'm sure he's going to get first crack at it. But sure. Sony Michelle is there. I mean, Raheem Mostert knows the system, and I think would easily just any any day of the week could go in there and and be the guy. Um, some of the young guys, who knows? I mean, Saquandre White, they used a draft pick on this guy, even though it's a late round draft pick. We've seen plenty of late round draft picks emerge right. out of this system and become studs. So that's one of the ones I'm keeping an eye on. Obviously, Tampa Bay could have a dark horse in and. Uh, Rashad White. I mean, we've all seen Hefty Lenny come into to camp looking more Oof. like a, an offensive yeah. lineman, yeah, than than a running back. We'll, we'll see if he sheds all the way to he out there down there in Tampa, where I'm sure it'll just start dropping off pretty quick for him. Um, and obviously, Houston's a, a bit of a mess as well, as far as you know, just running backs they have kind of Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack. My money is on Damian Pierce kind of emerging there. Um, the young draft pick that from this, uh, this draft this year. Um, but who knows? I mean, none of us really know. Um, but that's, that's where my money's at. And then there's Vegas. Um, I know you and I are both big Zamir white fans Yeah, we are. and, and obviously Drake's coming off the injury. So, um, Josh Jacobs, uh, ended the year, uh, last year injured, I believe as well. Um, so, it's, it's one of those things where both those guys are coming up on the end of their contracts as well. So they might, they might want to take a look at Samir White. He might be a guy that emerges as the season goes on. And yeah. even early, if he gets an opportunity, we'll see. Well, and there's even been some rumors about how Josh Jacobs have, has kind of asked it to be a little bit more of a committee, uh, which, is, which is interesting. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. The, the other one I wanted to mention uh, that you didn't is, it seems like the, the, uh, the tried and true backfield by committee each and every year but uh, once again we're we're in new england and they have 800 running backs uh they they drafted pierre strong uh kevin harris and i believe the third and fifth or third and sixth, something like that i think six yeah Uh, um and then uh or maybe it was fourth and six i don't know somewhere somewhere in there uh and then uh then on top of that they already had damian harris who had a pretty solid season last year but the guy that I'm actually leaning towards being the breakout one is, is Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson had a really solid year last year. In times, Damian Harris missed a little bit of time. He performed well. And they've talked about using him surprisingly more on third downs this year than they did in the past, which if he could get receiving work, we know that he has the, the physical build to be the guy on the goal line to, to do some real damage. So he would be the one at his current price that I would be the most interested in buying would be Ramondre Stevenson. But I mean, you truly, truly never know uh, who's going to emerge there. Uh, and, and James White's still there and, right. and JJ I, Taylor. And I mean, I've I mean, learned, I, I like have learned to just stay away from that situation. It's they're, they're fine players. And I think Ramondre Stevenson probably is the one that I would go after as well, but it's so week to week 
and it's, it's so tough, hard to man. rely on any of them. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, they're, they're saying, like you said, it, he's going to start working on pass catching stuff, which we we saw um, him do. I think we we all liked him in that kind of role. I think Rich and I a little bit little bit more than you sure. coming out of Oklahoma last year. But he's so big and he can operate between the tackles. He could yeah. actually grab that you know that bull by the horns and kind of run with it if if he gets an opportunity in an, in any capacity to kind of take over a full time role. So I do like him quite a bit. Um, but he it's still one of those things still where. Risky. It's so risky. So I have a hard time just like hanging my hat on any one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from Mountain Goat the Swede, awesome name, by the way. <laughs> uh, how many dynasty leagues are you guys playing in at this moment? Is it hard to keep up? Matt, how many leagues do you got going right now? I actually have pared it down quite a bit, and I'm oh, only yeah. I'm down to like four now. So I'm Whoa. good. Like I, I'm, I'm on easy street right now. I'm probably going to get into some startups here at some point and, sure. and kind of boost that number up. But I've cut back a little bit because I, I, um, I wasn't giving the correct amount of attention to some of the leagues. So I had to back off and um, kind of pull back a little bit. But Rich, this would be a really interesting question if Rich was here because I know yeah. he has he hasn't pulled back and he's just constantly doing more drafts. So yeah, yeah, he hasn't pulled back at all. Uh, I am, I'd have to count, uh, but off the top of my head, I believe I'm in somewhere between 15 and 17, somewhere yeah. in there. Uh, and, and it can be, it can absolutely be a challenge. The nice part is dynasty leagues. Uh, there's not as much waiver wire action as there is like in redraft leagues. Right. So that helps a little bit. Uh, but one thing I've started doing this year is uh, I believe I joined three startups this year. Um, and I still have one more to draft. So I'll have four in total. Um, but two of those four are actually dynasty best ball leagues. Hmm. Uh, so there's really no maintenance at all. No maintenance. You just back up after the draft and that's it, man. That sounds right. great. Right. Yeah. So I think I have to double check the rules. I think you can trade in the off season, but I don't think you can trade in season. Uh, I got to double check the rules on them, but uh, but yeah, once, I mean, once the season starts, those become easy. I just check my scores every week and see how I did. Yeah. Uh, I will actually, maybe that'll be the next one that I get into a best ball league, a very just low maintenance. Yeah. Just so I can get a couple of startup drafts and get some trade action, Yeah, but not have to worry about starting a lineup. Cause it is hard when you, when you get in season, you're looking at 10, 15 different lineups. That's when it's, it's difficult because a lot of the off season stuff can be trickled. You yeah. know, your drafts usually aren't going on the same exact time. Maybe you're doing, maybe you're juggling two. Like that's not that difficult to do. Right. Um, but obviously the dynasty GM tool makes it a lot easier to keep track so of kind of easy. where you are at in, in a lot of your leagues and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, obviously these questions are coming from the discord, so they know, um, they know. that, that it's one of those things that, um, it, uh, it, it's, it really is a great organizational tool on top of all the other stuff that it does for real. Honestly, like even if I was not, you know, part of the ownership team here and all that, like, even if none of that was true, if I was just like a, a normal fantasy football fiend, if I had more than three to four leagues, I, I'd have to do it. I, right. I'd have to have the GM tool. Um, I think the most I ever played with before we launched the GM tool back was, I think 2020 was the first year, uh, mm -hmm. the season for it. Before that, I think I had like six leagues. Uh, and I it was a mess. It was a mess because chances are they're not all all on the same platform and everyone tends to have a platform they prefer over another one. And right. you know, all of that just gets really, really cumbersome. Uh, so yeah, the, the GM makes it so much easier, but even then I had, I had two weeks where there was a team. It wasn't the same team both times, but there was a team where I had goofed up a starting lineup thing. And one of them specifically was a playoff run team. And it really, Oof. really cost me. The other one was more of a rebuild. So it didn't phase me as much, but uh, but I also, even in those situations, I don't want to be the guy that, right. that messes up his lineup. Right. Cause then there's questions of the, uh, what well, is, is, is Garrett tanking? Cause yep. he wants to rebuild and get a better draft. And it's like, you don't need any of that crap going on, man. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it is tough. Even, even with the GM tool, you know, once you, once you cross that double digit threshold, it's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to manage, but yeah, rich, I have no idea how many he's in. Uh, I'm guessing his number would probably even put mine to shame. It would hundred percent would. I know it was in the twenties at least. Um, yeah. the last time I just asked him 
Um, and I'm sure he's gotten some more startups going. So I'm sure he has. We'll have I'm to sure. get a best ball startup going between uh, the nerds here and somebody yeah, else. That, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Let, let's uh, let's get that on the books here soon. Yep. Yep. All right, Dano. Uh, give it, give it to owner, me, Dano. Come on, man. All right. An owner in my league is wanting to move Amari Cooper uh, because he's afraid of a suspension for Deshaun Watson. I have a win now roster and I don't need him, but I feel like adding him for depth if the price is smart. Uh, what is a good buy low price that y'all would recommend? If it's players, a comp would be awesome. All right. So, are you willing to get Amari Cooper right now, uh, assuming the price is right? And if so, like what what is that price that you feel is fair with all of the questions around Deshaun Watson? Right. Um, th- this one's a little bit tricky. Um, I think you know you're obviously starting at a first round draft pick plus. So a guy like Amari Cooper, he's not going to be cheap. And how I mean, how old is he? Is he twenty seven? Twenty seven, I believe. He's yeah. turning twenty eight. Okay. So, I mean, he's still got a, a few good years. Correct. I mean, I would feel comfortable doing probably a, I would definitely feel comfortable doing a first and a second for Mari Cooper on a contender. The question is, would I be willing to do two first? And I don't know that I would be with the question marks. So that's kind of where my line goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always willing to throw in extra late round draft picks on a, on a trade like that because they don't really move the needle much for me. Right. So a first and a second and any other later crap you got to throw in, I, I'm good with for a contender and uh, for Amari Cooper. Cause if Deshaun Watson, let's say he gets four games or something like that, okay. you're going to have a lot of Amari Cooper and he's right. probably going to be in your starting lineup and he's going to be the number one option in a Deshaun Watson led um, offense, which we've seen, we've seen, the wide receivers that he targets frequently put up really good numbers. So I would, I would be really excited about that. Yeah. He was, he was my buy when we were talking about the, the, the wide receiver episode. And that was the reason, I mean, the, the number one receiver in his offense, no matter who it's been in. Yes. It was Deandre Hopkins a lot, but there were also times that it was Will Fuller. There were also times Mm -hmm. it was Brandon cooks and they all performed well. Amari Cooper is definitely better than Will Fuller. And I would argue that he's better than Brandon cooks, uh, as well, but I, I know that's a closer call. And so I have no issue, but here's the thing. Even if Deshaun Watson misses a lot of time, yes, that does negatively affect Amari Cooper, but he is still the number one option on a team that doesn't have really any other receiving options at the moment. So I think he goes from a potential wide receiver one this season to maybe a mid to low range wide receiver two, but that's still a very valuable asset with a guy that is still going to give you three, four years uh, of, of production after this point. So uh, I would still be willing to do it. Uh, and, and I think your price range is about right, about a first and a second, I think is about the right range. Uh, but it looks like his value is kind of all over the map right now. So there's one here where somebody got Amari Cooper for a 2023 20, second, just one second. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Why? Sign me up all day for that. I mean... If anyone in one of my leagues is listening and wants to send that over, I'll take it. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Here's another one. Uh, Interested your thoughts on this one. Uh, Amari Cooper and a second for a 2022 first. So we don't know where in the draft that was, Mm -hmm. Uh, but a 22 first in Christian Kirk. Still Amari Cooper? Yeah, I think it still is. I I mean, Christian Kirk obviously got got the big payday, but I don't think he's ever shown us uh, I guess the skill level and the fantasy production that we've seen out of Mark Cooper. So uh, I would have to go with him. Plus he's tied to a better quarterback and just a better situation. This, this is probably one of the most fair ones. Cause I've seen them all over the map where it seems like, you know, you're still paying like absolute top price for Amari Cooper. And then I've seen others where you're just getting him for free. Almost. It feels like And I've seen more of those where he's being undervalued, but I feel like this is probably one of the best, like true value points right here. And, and, I still don't know what side of this I'm on. Amari Cooper and a 23 second for Terry McLaurin. Huh. So you're getting and scary Terry's 25 or 20. I, I think he's I, actually going on. I, he's either 26 he or 27 because he's, yeah, because he came he out old. Came in old. Yeah, yep. he came out old, didn't he? Okay. Um, 
I mean, I like I like the Amari uh, the Mari Cooper side on that one. Obviously, you know, I really like Terry McLaurin right now. He's not even in camp, and they just drafted a guy in the first round. Um, so that's yeah, Deshaun, or uh, Jahan Dotson, baby. Right. So so Dotson's there, and it's going to be Dotson and and Terry. Obviously, both of us probably think you know Terry. If he gets into camp, he's going to be the number one option. But still, sure. it's somebody else. Whereas in Amari. They they've got you know Donovan Peoples Jones on the other side of him, so and, and David Bell, a rookie who doesn't I mean for, for me doesn't offer a ton of fantasy upside. Sure. Um. So I I still like the Amari Cooper. Plus you're getting a second on top of it. All right, last one of these. Uh, because I know what side I'd be on, but I know this is going to be super difficult for you. All right, Amari Cooper and a 2021 or 2022 first. Okay. Again, we're not sure where. So let's just say for uh, for argument's sake, let's say it's one eight. Okay. All right. Sure. right at the end, there's Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson range. All right. Give me Mike Williams. <laughs> You're taking Mike Williams. <laughs> You're taking him. <laughs> no, that one's. I'm just screwing with you. I just wanted to get out in front of it because I knew that's what you were talking <laughs> you knew about. It was him. <laughs> um, no, that that is very hard. Um, as, as much as I do like Mike Williams, those are two really good assets, and if you can make moves like that. And it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily getting much older and you're still getting a first round draft pick. And the production is, is pretty close. I think between sure. an Amari Cooper as the number one option and, and uh, Mike Williams kind of towing the line between one and two on a week to week basis between uh, uh, him and Keenan Allen. I, I think I probably have to take the package um, if I was playing with my head and not my heart. How about that? Makes sense. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk real quick about our friends over at FFPC. FFPC launched in 2010, and it's Ooh. the home of the largest high stakes dynasty league community in fantasy football. Over 1,000 that 1,000 active 1, leagues. Nice. A lot. Heck yeah. uh, currently running with new start- startups forming daily. Uh, you, your entry it could be 77 bucks on the low end up to $2,500. So all over the place. That's high stakes right there, man. That's some high stakes. That's, that's a little rich for my blood, but, uh, you know, some, some of you guys are ballers. So speaking I, of rich over a thousand active leagues, that sounds like rich. Go that ahead. sounds <laughs> just like rich. And I'm sure most of them are, uh, you know, $2,500. So, uh, <laughs> various league scorings, uh, with, with, Super flex, unique tri-flex, large rosters, and no kickers or defense, which we all know is the best way the to best go. Way. I've never heard of tri-flex until we started doing this read, and it's something I wanted to get involved in because I like this. Topic. Yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. sounds like how I want to play. Yep. Uh, FFPC, uh, not a single dynasty league has ever folded. That, that I think, is just wild to me. It's never folded due to the deposit system, high retention rate, an extremely active orphan process annually. Uh, they're forming dynasty leagues with frequent trading, uh, especially around rookie drafts and roster cutdowns. If you go to myffpc.com, yes, that's myffpc.com, use promo code NERDS on the payment page for $35 off of any new FFPC startup registration. So if you're doing the $77 one there, you're basically getting this half off all right ffpc great sponsor of dynasty nerds okay so let's get back into our mailbag questions here do a few more before uh, we wrap up here and let's see where did i leave off oh here we go all right fat marty uh i am not calling him that that is his name on on discord so it's kind of like a like a fat amy thing i think uh from uh what was that movie oh pitch perfect you've seen pitch perfect right matt negative never which seen one's pitch, which one's pitch perfect what it's, is it, it? it what's the premise laid on me this is probably like 2014 2015 range uh it's it's uh the college acapella group uh you never seen this it's hilarious it's a comedy <laughs> no, i haven't seen it it's it's a comedy it's it's pretty funny uh, right. but rebel wilson is in it and gotcha. she plays a character called Fat Amy, and people never want to call her that, but that's how she like introduces herself. Uh, so yes, so Fat Amy, Fat Marty, we got Fat Marty here asking a question. Uh, when rebuilding, 
I sometimes find myself with an excess of capital and young pieces going into the offseason that eventually lead to being extremely over the roster limit. How and when should a rebuilder look to consolidate assets as to not lose leverage or have to cut pieces with value? Matt, I know that we've talked about this with you before where you've had a good team and won multiple championships, blew it up, and real quickly got right back to the point where you were contending again. What, what, what advice are you giving to my boy, Fat Marty, here? Well, um, I mean, it sounds like Marty's kind of dragged this thing, this rebuild out. Um, if you're getting to the point where you're, you've, or you've just done a really good job trading it for too a ton many of assets. assets. Yeah, too many assets um, up, up front. I, I like to, when I start a rebuild, I like to really load up in one year and maybe the second year. But after that, you're going to, if you, if you load up on a third year after that, you're going to run into a lot of what Fat Marty's talking about here. And you're going to have a hard time rostering all these guys. You're going to have a bunch of tough decisions on players that you don't necessarily want to get rid of, but you, but you have to. Your, your hand is forced because you're, you're going to end up with really just the cream of the crop, the guys that you know are hitting already. And then some of the guys that – like I had to cut Darren Waller off my team when he was a wide receiver because I just didn't have room for him. And then he turns into the tight end that he was. And, and don't you think I stare at that guy every single time <laughs> he's starting against me and I go – if I just if I, if I just had a little bit more room on my roster, dang it! Because I would I held on to him throughout most of everything when he never played at all. Because I just right. I just I liked what I saw out of him. I thought, oh, this guy could develop down the road. And then when he made the switch to tight end, it was like literally I got rid of him. And then that happened, and I was like, oh well, you know, he's switching to tight end. It'll probably be in a few more years. And then he came out and blew up and was was gross. Um, so, I mean, there's cautionary tale in there somewhere of, you know, uh, maybe at some point you have to stop accumulating multiple, multiple assets and you got to go kind of get primo on, on a few of these assets and kind of, you know, when you feel it coming, when you see your rosters getting crowded, maybe that's the time you move up in a draft. You, you know what I mean? Try to get to that number one pick, try to get the best guy available in a draft and kind of sell off some of the assets, your future assets or the stuff on your roster that you're questionable about and, and, but still has some allure to other people. So, I mean, that's, that's how I would have to deal with that situation, but I, I probably, I, I would try to get out in front of it. I wouldn't let it get to that point. Um, and it's, it's happened to me before. So I lived it and learned from it. And, and maybe that's something Pat Marty is kind of going through now that he's going to have to live with and learn from is, is making some tough cuts and seeing some of his good players on other people's teams to realize kind of where the line is as far as accumulating, accumulating, accumulating like gross amounts mm -hmm. uh, of stuff um, instead of trying to get quality and kind of bumping up your bumping yourself up in a few drafts um, down, down the road. Yeah. in in dynasty, and you see this in the NFL as well. Remember that four quarters don't always necessarily equal a dollar. You know, in real life, yeah, if you have 25 cents, you get four of them, they're, they're going to equal you a dollar. But it's a lot of these younger pieces, you add them together, they don't always have the same type of value that a number one overall pick would have. So if you can, if you can be ahead of that and you can think far enough ahead that like, look, Let's, uh, who would be some good young names? Like Rondale Moore, uh, a guy that we like, or at least I liked. So, Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, still potentially has some value, but, you know, we don't know. Kadarius Toney, you know, a guy that we liked on tape, but we're, mm -hmm. there's still, like, just so many question marks around him. Uh, you know, like, you could find probably four or five wide receivers that are first, second, third-year guys in that range and maybe put – three or four of those together mm -hmm. to get yourself one primo receiver. Cause I guarantee you're going to be much more satisfied with that one guy that you know is a stud than just hoping that one of those players gets to that similar level chances. Every once in a while it works out and you get lucky, but it, it, it's usually better to just the take Van the, Jefferson's the Brian Edwards, like from, yes. from the, the past couple of years, like those type of players, you can consolidate maybe two of those guys and, and hop up in a draft and, and get much better at and get a one really solid player. And exactly. Uh, take, for take, you know, if you have three thirds and three fourths, well, yeah, maybe, maybe it seems like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to be able to load up in the third and fourth. 
your odds of hitting in those rounds are pretty low. I would be fine trading all of those to get 2-2 in a draft. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, look at some of those, those types of moves that uh, other people are just seeing this quantity of assets and you're going to have to start narrowing in on the quality of the assets. Yeah, and we we talk about another thing all the time, you know, dropping those third and fourth round draft picks as a sweetener on the top of sure. deals and do multiple of them. Who cares? I mean, like if you're running up against the limit uh, of your 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 league and you can see that you're not going to be able to roster a bunch of these people, that can push a deal over the top. For me, it doesn't move the needle, but for other people's other people out there, it does move the needle. And that can be the difference between a trade going through and it not. And and that's another great way to kind of thin the herd a little bit as far as your assets and, and kind of make some more uh, roster room. Uh, uh, just for your for your whole roster. Awesome. All right, Huskers rule. What's your favorite slash best dynasty startup draft strategy? I know Garrett did a different strategy of full accumulation of twenty three picks and not and not any players until round ten. Would he recommend that, or was it tough to pull off? Well, obviously, I'll start with this one here, Matt. Yeah, you start, please do. Um. It is it is a league by league thing, man. So I did not go into the draft saying I'm not gonna pick a single player till round ten. Uh, that was not <laughs> my my thought process going into the draft. Um, but sometimes you have to look at where the value is and where things are trending. So looking back at at that, so I'll talk about that specific league for a second. There were a lot of guys early on that wanted picks. But as they started to see what players were available, got very enamored with the names that were out there. So I did my best to try to capitalize on that. And my my draft was already just okay. I wasn't loving it. I wasn't hating it. Uh, but I but I figured I could probably get to the point where I can have all roads have to go through me in 2023. So that was basically what my philosophy was, was there was a couple deals where did I get max value? Probably not. I probably couldn't could have gotten better value elsewhere, but I wanted it to be to the point where if there was a deal that was going to have to be done in 2023 to get assets, get picks, which are things that are only going to accrue value. And that's the yeah. nice part about draft picks is as much as I love these young receivers, 50% of them probably won't hit. Uh, you know, the, there's going to be quite a few of these running backs that don't hit and they lose a ton of value. Whereas these picks not only maintain their value, they grow in value. Now, eventually those picks have to turn into players, but I wanted early to have assets that were going to accrue value, not lose value. So I ended up with eight firsts in the 23 class and then five firsts in the 24 class. So, and then I got a bunch of seconds. I think I got, I don't remember six seconds between the two years as well something like that. So it's a lot of assets, Mm -hmm. but my first player taken was Cole Komet in round 10, you know? So at the same time, of course you you took your your homie though, at least (laughs) I I did get my guy. And there was a few players. I still got Zamir white in there. I still got Davis mills at quarterback. I actually still have two starting quarterbacks despite not picking till round 10. I have Davis mills and drew lock. Now I don't think drew locks around long-term, but I would, I would question that second one as a starting quarterback, but okay. Currently the starting quarterback, <laughs> uh, you know, so, but I, but I did still get, get two guys there and uh, a few other receivers that I like and things like that. But obviously I'm not winning this year, Right. but on top of that, with that, I now know that I have the one one in 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't win. If I, if you lose to me, you did something terribly, terribly wrong uh, that week. Uh, so I was bonanza. Whoa, <laughs> exactly. Aaron won. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, now I know that I've also guaranteed myself the top overall selection since I still have my own pick. So that was kind of where the philosophy and all of that came in. The reason why I did that and the YouTube and Twitter comments were hilarious on all of that because there was about half the people are like, well, that's not that crazy. You're just, you know, it's productive struggle and blah, blah, blah. And then the other half is like, you're an idiot. You know, buy-ins are important. Why would you waste all that? Good luck contending in 2027. Like, you know, so it's that people are all over the map on it. Buy-ins are important, but if you were going to be a middle of the road team, you're, you just throw away your buy-in also. Like what's the difference? I mean, at least, at least you're going to suck this year and there is going to be a payoff at the end. Exactly. Um, 
So yeah, um, that's, that's an interesting strategy. Obviously. Um, I, I like the fact that you're loading up on 23 picks. That's, that's a pretty neat, um, I guess fun exercise. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how it pans out, but that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, um, and, and I did the same exercise for, um, just in theory on the 2020 class and on the 2021 class. So if I would have done it on either one of those classes and a lot of the picks would have ended up pretty solid. I mean, there were still some Jalen Ragers in there. Sure. Um, there's still some, you know, uh, you know, uh, Henry Ruggs and different players like that, that you're not thrilled with. Uh, but for every one of those, I, I remember I paired them to like actual drafts that had happened. And the one team I ended up with Burrow and Herbert, uh, I would have ended up with oh. uh, Justin Jefferson. And like, I mean, these are good classes. There's a reason I didn't do it for the 22 class, right? Because I don't think this class is as good. And I don't think that would be as beneficial. So if 23 ends up being similar to 20 or 21, I think it'll work out pretty well. Yeah, it absolutely will. Um, as far as, I mean, the stuff that I would recommend doing, I always try to think of uh, like championship teams and, and what do most of my championship teams look like? And there's always going to be a blend. You know what I mean? There's going to be a, a, a few guys that are a little bit older, but I'm always going to have it kind of sprinkled and tapered throughout and going mm -hmm. kind of, you know, a few really, really good guys that are a little bit older, but then a few young guys that are, are, are emerging and very good. And, and the next superstars on my team. And then there's everything kind of in between. So I always try to build a very, if, if possible, I go in trying to have one that's, that's sprinkled with age and youth and kind of everything kind of in between at, at most positions. And that's the, like the very, the very wide zoom look at what I try to do. Mm -hmm. Now, every, every draft is going to be different and strategies are going to have to change during the middle of them. We talked about that last week. Um, so if the draft isn't falling to you with a certain outlook, then just change your outlook and go, go in a different direction and, and be flexible. That's, that's the best way to draft. And you're not always going to love the outcome, but it's your team and, and you'll be able to build, like plan on building. If it's not going to be a, a year one winner, just plan on, like you're saying, productive struggle. Um, just know that kind of stuff going in. And maybe if it started off thinking that you were going to be a contender, but it ended up as a productive struggle. So you got a couple of pieces to sell off, sell them off, yeah. make the move pretty early and sell them off. It's fine. I mean, uh, right after, right after a startup, sometimes there's still people looking to add pieces and change their team. And if you're one of the people that want to sell, there's, there's likely going to be somebody that wants to buy as well. So yeah, go make those moves. The, the last thing I'll say on this is, uh, my my typical strategy ends up with me building the core of my team uh, in rounds three through six, three through seven. Uh, I find myself at least attempting, and, and I don't want to take no value to do it, uh, but if I can get decent enough return, I like having most of my picks end up in rounds three through seven. So that means trading back in the first two rounds, but then that also means maybe trading up in you know, rounds eight and nine to really try to sandwich in there. And that's where you find a lot of those players that can really ascend into value the following year. Uh, you know, if you were getting Jamar Chase in a startup last year, he's ascended in value like crazy. You know, a lot of these younger players can really ascend in value. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has a chance to really ascend in value this year. So those are the players that I really like to kind of target in on, the ones that I think have a lot more upside than what they, they're currently being drafted at. And anytime you can get rid of late round draft picks, those things, by the time you get to the end of those drafts, they, you don't want to have any, anything to do with any of those players. After so if round you can 20, trade it's off, such a crapshoot. Oh my God, it's terrible. So if you can get out of any of those rounds and get into the middle rounds using multiple late round draft picks, that's a great strategy. Absolutely. All right, let's get one last question in here. Uh, this one, this one's a fun one. Uh, I've got, uh, this is from LB. I've got crybabies in my league who want me to post a poll every single time there's a trade. I told them I'd only veto a trade if it was a clear, obvious collusion. But they say, who am I to determine what collusion is? What should I do? Judge O'Hara, what, what would you rule on this? Listen, I mean, every league is going to be different. Um, this seems like they want to be very democratic, which uh, that's fine. But if you're the commissioner, 
that's who you are. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, what? Who? Who am I? I'm the commissioner. I'm the person that runs the league. If right. you don't like it, go pound salt. Is what my go, mom used to yeah. say. Go play in another <laughs> league. Go play in another league, man. If you don't like it, um, I don't know. If if the guy wants to lend some power to some other people, make a little trifecta at the top or something that that look at trades three people at the top you know if it's really that big of an issue and if but if you don't want to give up the power you just say i'm the commissioner <laughs> it's that simple it's that clean it's that cut and dry as far as i see it anyway yeah we're we're not far off here man it's uh <laughs> it's it's tough if these trades are really this heroic like ferocious that's not a word horrendous and I don't even know. Atrocious. Where. Atrocious. That's the other word yep. I was piecing with it. Rich isn't here, so I have to do some of those things. Yep. Uh, if, I'll if, be here to I'll be here to pick you up like normal. Thanks, That's man. I appreciate day. it. Uh, I mean, if, if these trades are really that terrible, then maybe you want some new people in the league. <laughs> like maybe. But my guess is these trades probably aren't that bad. Uh, I would recommend showing maybe some trades from either older leagues that you know of or earlier trades from this league because i can't tell you how many times where i'll make a trade and in the beginning i i look at it and i'm like oh my gosh this trade is so one-sided i can't believe he got away with that trade that was stealing and then you look back two years later and you're like oh maybe that wasn't that bad maybe okay, that wasn't never mind. a bad bad trade at all yeah. yeah um i mean get on the dynasty trade uh or trade finder right yeah, i mean trade browser and- there Browse some trades, see if there's comparables. Tell them to shut up, show them a couple, and shut them up. Yeah, but I'm not a fan of having to answer to every single trade after it's over. Uh, your your league should be good enough to be able to to handle these things. Uh, and you know, you can you can outline some examples of what clear and obvious collusion is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. Outside of that, you should basically get the final say. Uh, and and like Matt said, if it's really that bad form a subcommittee of people that will help you, you know, weigh in on these things. But ultimately it's time, it's time for them to grow up. It's the smell test. You know what I mean? Like on most of these things, that's what it is. Does it smell bad? Is this smell like collusion? Then it's probably collusion. And if it's not, then just move on with your day. I mean, so it's a bad trade. People make bad trades. That stuff happens sometimes. It happens in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. People that get paid millions of dollars to do this, there's bad trade. So those things are going to happen. Uh, it's, it is what it is. So with that, Matt, I think that is, uh, this is going to be the stopping point for us, but we're going to pick right back up in the nerd herd episode. We're going to be answering some more questions and they're kind of all over the map. Just like these, some of them are, you know, weighing in on league decisions. Some of them are about certain players. Some of them are about startup and, and, and when to rebuild and all kinds of different stuff. Uh, but we are going to pick up right back in the nerd herd episode doing just the same thing. Any other thoughts? No, man, I'm just excited. I, I love doing these kind of episodes because I feel like um, it's it's very broad. You get into some very cool little areas of dynasty that we don't sometimes talk about. So these are these are fun shows for me. I, I like doing this. So let's let's get get after this uh, nerd herd episode. What do you say? Let's do it, man. All right, adios.